This is the Here at Haas podcast, connecting you to Haasies from full-timers to EWs to EMBAs and the professors that change our lives. I'm Paulina Lee, and this week we are joined by Kelly Cure from the full-time program class of 2022. Thanks for coming on the show today, Kelly. How's your weekend been? It's been great. It's been a cozy, rainy one, but it's been a good weekend. And thank you so much for having me. This is a fantastic program and it's an honor. Yeah, well, we're so excited to have you. Let's dive right in. After starting your career in management consulting 10 years ago, you've gone on to have a very impressive career working and living in three different continents across eight different countries as a sustainability consultant, founder of two businesses, in-house head of strategy and renewable energy developer. Can you share a little bit more about your background before coming to Haas? I mean, the older you get, the more experiences you have. So that's that's why it's quite a laundry list at this point. And I think I've always sort of gravitated towards newness. I always wanted to challenge myself and try something new instead of going super deep into one area. I think when I started out of undergrad, I just wanted a job that would allow me to be really challenged and allow me to travel a lot. And that's what led me to management consulting. Then after a few years in the US, I was really itching to live abroad and manage global teams across different countries. I was with Deloitte at the time and they were wonderful in letting me move to London where I got to do that really international city and got to work across Europe and got to visit Africa for the first time. And that sort of ended up changing my trajectory because after seeing what life was like, I spent about a month between Zambia and Tanzania. I came back to London and just thought, wow, I have so much to learn from developing countries, from people who live there, from the culture, from the way businesses are grown and run. Then I sort of made it my mission to figure out where I could learn the most. And that wasn't a quick transition. That took a while. (laughs) That was about a a year of making that my sort of like second full-time job of cold calling friends, cold calling people on LinkedIn, interviewing for jobs to learn more, and just trying to figure out where I could use my skills for management consulting. And that led me to Swaziland, which is now called Eswatini for a job sort of assessing renewable energy potential in the country. And then I ended up joining them full time, but in sort of an interesting role where I was doing many different things at once for them. I was developing a specific power plant that was biomass and solar, but I was also sort of their in-house head of strategy. And then they ended up also giving me funding to start a business that was synergistic to their work and allowed me to grow more exports in an area that they weren't fulfilling the demand and also create more jobs. So that was probably the biggest challenge that I had had to date was starting a business and learning how to hire, learning how to fire, unfortunately, and doing all that in a totally new culture and in a new business setting. It was just really invigorating. The only way to sum it up was I was my own devil's advocate and I was my biggest cheerleader at the same time. I felt like I was balancing those two things on a daily basis. I stayed for four years and I didn't set out to stay for that long, but it just kept one thing after another. And finally, towards the end, it felt right to go back to school and it felt right to be closer to family. And the U.S. had changed so much since 2012, since the last time that I'd properly lived in the U.S. And I was also curious about connecting to my own home country again. And business school offered such an amazing opportunity to do that. That's great. So a couple questions about your experience in Swaziland. So you were there for four years. What were the biggest things that you learned? What were your three biggest takeaways from your time there? 
Really good question. I think one of my biggest takeaways was that the way every society does things is different and beautiful in its own way. And the way we operated in America is so different than than people operate in Swaziland, the way that the governments run, the way that businesses are run, the culture, what's acceptable and what's not, the way we communicate with each other. I just sort of leaned in and enjoyed learning the differences. And that was like a big takeaway for me not to feel like there's a right or a wrong, but both are beautiful. One of my biggest takeaways was that I can operate independently. I can start my own business. I can do independent consulting work. I don't need to be under the umbrella of a big organization to do that. And that was really empowering. So that was a big takeaway. So you were there for four years. And was there a single moment where you're like, aha, this is the time that now I want to go back home and go to school? Or is it just something you had been thinking about for a while? There was not a single moment. I was really thinking hard about what I wanted to do. I actually really didn't think I wanted an MBA. That was a degree that I did not research. I started researching a bunch of different types of degrees, looking into behavioral economics. I was always really fascinated by that. I just thought an MBA felt a little too corporate for me at the time. And I had advice eventually after researching for probably about three months and looking at different programs around the world, a friend who gives me amazing advice. He's he's a composer. So he sort of comes from a non quote unquote business background, but he's a really business savvy individual. And he said, Kelly, the MBA isn't what it used to be. It brings a ton of creative people in. It holds a lot of water when it comes to being a very challenging degree, but you wouldn't be an outsider in an MBA program. You'd actually be, um, you'd be part of the diverse makeup, you'd be part of the fabric. And once I started listening to him and talking to friends who had gotten their MBA, I thought, okay, if I can find a program that has a creative mix of people in a really diverse program in a city that is also diverse, so sort of in an ecosystem, within an ecosystem that I felt comfortable in, that an MBA might be something amazing for me. I think that's so interesting and such a great point too, because I think, you know, growing up, there's this specific stereotype for B-School. Totally. And it it either you have kind of this set of people that really want to go, they've set their sights on it for a long time, and then you have this other set that kind of is like, ah, I don't know. But then we end up here and we're like, wow, right. this is a great experience. So you're obviously at Haas. How did you choose? Yeah, Haas was sort of my number one. I always respected Cal as an institution, and I loved their history of questioning the status quo. Um, and I have a bunch of friends in the Bay Area, and I thought for entrepreneurship, which I was already quite interested in, this is the place to be. And just looking at Cal, I just thought it lived up to its reputation of having quite a diverse class. I just decided I want to do applications once if I can help it. And so I applied to actually a lot of schools. I think I maybe applied to five or six um, and was just over the moon when, when I got into Haas. So that was a game changer. And so you came straight from Swaziland to Berkeley? Almost. <laughs> there was an accidental, wonderful surprise. So I had planned to do backpacking for three months and then move back to the U.S. and have a little bit of time before school started. But I got a job offer that I couldn't refuse for some more consulting work in Switzerland with this amazing philanthropy called CNA Foundation. Their focus is fashion as a force for good and just working with their executive director and their executive team. And I just fell in love. So I had to 
condense what would have been three glorious months of backpacking into 10 days, which was still amazing. So we did 10 days of camping in Namibia, and then I went to Switzerland. So from Swaziland to Switzerland, you can't make this up. Yeah, seriously, talk about (laughs) opposite ends of the spectrum. (laughs) Opposite ends of the spectrum, the name's too similar. I was like, this is a joke. Um, But it it was phenomenal. They were such an amazing team and company to work for. And it almost felt like it was a great segue back into the U.S. because it was a developed country, but it wasn't my quote unquote home country. So it was a nice like getting my feet back under me and how to live with more structure maybe. So when you came to campus in August, what surprised you the most about those first couple months on campus? I guess it surprised me that my friend's advice totally was right. I think still in the back of my mind, I thought there's going to be probably a small group of people that I really, really connect with that are potentially like the the less mainstream students <laughs> and sort of within day one, week one, I was like, Oh, we are a crew of amazing weirdos. Everybody is very different, very diverse, comes from really interesting backgrounds. Even if they were working in something more corporate or finance, doesn't matter. They're just phenomenal people. I think that blew me away it blew any expectations out of the water just how many of my classmates i connected with and that i feel like i'm still getting the gift of getting to meet more students through classes even with covid like the teachers are doing definitely the best they can and we're doing a lot of breakout rooms and through spontaneous breakout rooms i've met and got to work with more students who i didn't even get to meet first semester so i would say just the quality of human being was so exciting and and fun and that was probably my biggest surprise that's awesome how would you evaluate your journey so far i know you're only semester and a half in but what have been your thoughts i didn't come in with many expectations in general let me say that it feels just i like friends have been saying to me you seem like a kid in a candy store where I think the the beauty and what I loved about living in Swaziland for so long was that if you wanted to do something, you had to start it yourself, which was was super fun for me. So I started a business. For example, I I was missing dancing. I've danced my entire life, danced in my university, and was really missing the ability to take a dance class in Swaziland. And the only option was to start my own dance class. So I, I got to do that. And that was phenomenal. I guess coming to Haas and coming to the Bay Area, I was just like, wow, all of this is just served to me on a silver platter. Every night of the week, there's not one to five things I could be doing. There's probably like 10 things that would be very interesting to me and spoiled by choice and just enjoying um, being back in the U.S. and being back in such a busy, vibrant, big city with really interesting, diverse people. That's been amazing. Yeah, the journey has also been, you know, getting back into school for the first time after 10 years has been real. You know, (laughs) shaking off some serious cobwebs when it comes to quant. I'm like, whoo But loving that too and classmates have been super supportive and helpful. So yeah, I would say like shaking off the cobwebs and diving into academics as much as I can. And I mean, every every day is relentless, ruthless prioritization because there's so much on. Um, and then the other thing that's been a big part of my journey is, is co-founding another company on campus, which is a surprise to me. My plan was to take this first year and not start anything, but to soak up this 
new culture and soak up what it was like to live in the U.S. and just listen. And I got some really good advice from my friend Akon, who just said, you know, you actually learn more by doing. And that's sort of been how I've lived my life so far. And he just encouraged me to have a fairly well thought out idea, just jump in. And how I co-founded the company was through a program called STEP. So we kicked off with Step. It's a really early incubator. You just sort of turn up with an idea and they help pair you with teams. And that was a phenomenal experience. So we we founded a company called Fitted, F-I-T apostrophe D, and it stands for Foot in the Door. Co-founded it with one of my classmates, Charlie Davidman. The company is focused on how do we avail more high quality long-term job opportunities to marginalized, diverse candidates. And where that came from was my work in Swaziland. When I built the team in Swaziland, I was only hiring people from marginalized communities. And they are the fabric of that company and the success was built on their diverse experiences. Sometimes what we see not just in the U.S. but all over the world is the same people who already have access to great opportunities just keep getting more access. And people who are equally as skilled and qualified creative, driven, and maybe even better suited for the job, don't actually even see those opportunities. So what we've been able to do is ask the question to companies, are you interested in hiring more diverse candidates from a broader range of backgrounds? And the answer has been resoundingly yes. So that's what we're working on with Fitted right now. One huge happy milestone and honor that we had in last month for quarantine and lockdown, we got to pitch to EGAL, the Center for Equity, Gender and Leadership. They have a competition for investing in inclusion every year and we were able to win that. So we got our first bit of funding in March, which was super humbling given the other teams in the competition. Just exciting that now we have a little bit of funding to start building. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's been exciting. We're building our MVP right now. We have two undergrads who are doing startup semester. They're exchange students here and absolutely brilliant. It's a diversity job hiring platform, but it's also a mock interview tool that allows people to practice mock interviewing in their home, even if they don't have access to great bandwidth. Um, So they can call in 24-7 and practice mock interviewing and have their results recorded and transcribed and have uh, mentors that sit in the companies that they're trying to work for, review them and give them feedback before they interview. So it's sort of like trying to level the playing field. At Haas, we have all the resources in the world to mock interview with anybody and practice and and get feedback from the company before we apply. And many other students have been connecting a lot with community colleges over the past couple weeks, and they don't have any of that access that we do. So just trying to level the playing field and then allow these candidates to shine That's our mission. No, I love that. And I think in today's world, I mean, diversity, everyone's talking it, but it really yeah. is what will sustain a company in the long run, being able to speak to consumers from the whole spectrum. And with that, you need diverse candidates. So I love the work that you're doing. It's so exciting. As we think about kind of the relevant economic environment, what has that meant for you and your teams? It's been challenging, but also we're trying to lean into the positive side of it. Just on a day-to-day basis, it is hard working across time zones with my co-founder. He's eight hours ahead and I have a lot of experience being eight hours ahead having lived in Swaziland for so long. I mean, it's not easy, but he has been fantastic and supportive and we've just tried to make it work. It's been challenging for me because I love 
being in person with people. I, was, I wish I was in person with you right now, you know? Um, this technology that we have is, I'm so thankful for it, but you always miss a little something in it. And with the developers, it's just a little challenging, but what it's meant for us is, especially after talking more and more to community colleges over the past couple of weeks, they've said a lot of the mock interview tools that are out there right now can't even be used because students at home, or if they're not students, they're non-traditional candidates at home, don't have access to any Wi-Fi or, they're, or they have lower bandwidth. So that's exactly what we're trying to build something like very simple and scrappy right now that can be used by everybody. And just trying to lean into that sort of our focus right now. So I don't know, I guess I love a friend said to me the other day, she said, you know, after the after the famous Black Plague in the 1400s, the Renaissance era came right after that. This amazing era of creativity and intellectual thought and collaboration and abundance. And that's been sort of my visual over the past couple of weeks is we have a chance to rethink everything. A lot of these systems were already broken and we didn't know what to do. Now those broken systems are exacerbated by the present and we have a chance to rethink everything. Like, how do we do this? So I'm trying to channel that excitement right now about my day to day. And as I think about the business. I think that's great. If we think about the current environment, your product is going to be more important than ever in terms of where jobs have been and where they haven't and just connecting candidates and companies in the right places. I think, you know, as people are experiencing work from home, I think it will actually expand opportunities for people as well. I completely agree. You you hit the nail on the head. I wanted to go back again and talk more about Swaziland. I feel like your experience today and your company with Fitted at Haas really stems from your time there. What else would you say from your time in Swaziland really gave you that entrepreneurship bug? Or have you always been this way from when you were younger? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think I've I've always been a really creative thinker and I've always had a lot of ideas that I wanted to run with, but I've always really wanted to collaborate with people along the way too. I've never wanted to work in, in solo. I think what gave me a little bit of the confidence maybe and nudge in Swaziland were some of my mentors there. The company that I was working for, when I was there, it was growing to about the size of 10,000 people. It was one of the biggest employers in the country. But it started from it had started 20 years previously by one by one man in his vision. So having him as my CEO and the person who I interacted with most, the CEO and executive director were the two people that I worked with closely, big picture mindset, and them giving me the autonomy and like empowering me and encouraging me to work completely independently and go as far as I could always go, and then just check back with them for guidance as needed. That's I sort of that really, really supported me. And then another mentor there, Debbie, she she wrote my recommendations for grad school. She was started as a farmer. She's a farmer from Zimbabwe. And she hired me to move to Swaziland in the first place. She ran the, the business. It was actually an NGO, but I can't even call it a nonprofit because she ran it like the leanest startup I've ever seen. And I learned so much from her. And she always pushed me, expected a lot from me, had like really clear, simple advice on how to 
you know, stand up a business, how to apply for funding, what to ask for, what was reasonable. So I think the support of the mentors and then my family is always super supportive and my friends too. I have a network of amazing people that I don't know how I got so lucky, but I feel like I rely a lot on them for advice and, and where to go. I love that. And you've kind of lived all over now, you know, start in the U.S., over to London, Africa, back up to Europe, now back in the U.S. What are you thinking post-grad? Do you want to stay stateside or explore other regions? Such a good question. Um, where my heart and gut are right now is just really grounded in the Bay Area. I feel like the MBA has been so all-encompassing that I want to have the chance to live in the Bay Area after the program. There's so much to see here for me and there's so much to dive into. That's what my gut is saying right now. I'm somebody who does a really bad job about long-term planning. I sort of have a, a feeling of what I want out of life. I would love maybe a bit more of a balance than I've had in the past, uh, <laughs> but I always get so much out of my work, so I kind of can't help myself. But I see myself in the, in the Bay Area after school, and I love the West Coast. I'm loving being back in the U.S. right now. I feel like there's unlimited um, social needs. There's unlimited places to engage and I'm still learning. I've been back here, I guess, for nine months now. So <laughs> I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. You know, I've been in the Bay for a while now, but there's just so much great energy here. The people are amazing. I think you find like a heart of business paired with a heart of community here than you don't find in other parts of the country. Yes, absolutely. That's very well said. I love that a heart of business and a heart of community. Yeah, it really feels like that. What are you most looking forward to when quarantine hopefully ends in the next couple of months? Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to be so excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, most looking forward to maybe yoga classes in person. I, yeah, I found a great studio online or a friend recommended it. Ritual yoga, which has changed my life in the past weeks. I've really been missing that. Coffee shops. I love the energy <laughs> and the buzz of people all working in the same place going dancing yeah everything also nerdily i i i think one of the biggest impacts of the quarantine is not being in class together i mean hats off to haas and to our professors for bending over backwards and doing such a phenomenal job but it's just not the same i miss i miss being in class with my fellow team members. And I'm also looking forward to, there were a handful of amazing conferences. There was a female founders conference that we were going to be featured at. Um, just all the events that the MBA gives us access to. I love networking events. So getting to go to networking events again, everything. I'm going to have to force myself to sleep. I'm going to be too excited, really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. I think that's the hardest thing. And yeah, our professors are doing a great job in like the virtual classroom, but it's so different sitting in your house by yourself staring at a screen versus feeling that energy and having those conversations back and forth so yeah I think we're we're all right there with you yes and I'm such a side commenter in class too like I, I need the interaction even on a micro level to turn and be like did you understand with this or I don't agree those little I miss, I miss that the chat function <laughs> is not the same but it's all good it's all good for sure you know You've been a little bit of a serial entrepreneur. 
and you decided to come to Haas. And I think you gave some really good examples and reasons in terms of why you decided on Haas and what you've learned so far. Do you have any other advice for others considering to go to business school? Yes. My advice is just go to business school. It's so great. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I would say, because I can say that because I'm somebody who didn't want to go to business school. Like I was Mm -hmm. at Deloitte and Deloitte was like, why are you not going to business school? We, you know, we pay for it. And I was like, something doesn't feel right about right now. And I'm so glad I waited 10 years into my career to, to go. So I guess my advice would be trust your, trust your gut above anything. Um, and maybe if you can spend a little bit of time finding your trusted group of advisors and seeing if you can get a few from different backgrounds that balance each other out. Um, so yeah, I would say trust your gut, find your advisors. And if you've any interest in business school, set up some calls and talk to people or just literally apply because what the I feel like I'm, like I said, I'm kid in a candy store, but the amount of opportunity that's available to you and the breadth of options that are offered up by these programs, the programs put so much effort into their offerings. And it's actually, I find it a very creative place to be. I think that's why I'm loving it so much. There's so much room for creative interaction and collaboration and thought that I would just recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I think that's great, great advice. I think we're going to transition now and just do some rapid fire Q&A. Oh, fun. Okay. So what's been the best part about quarantine for you? Oh, good question. So many more safe distance hikes starting to cycle again. Right now, cycling has just been a commuter activity for me. Like get my ass to Haas on time usually 10 minutes late, even though we have a 10 minute grace period, still working on my timing. But um, my friend Yanelle and I, we've, we've started doing longer cycles again. And that has been a saving grace to get next to the ocean and get so far beyond my neighborhood, be safe and respectful of the quarantine at the same time, because we're cycling in places where there's not other people. Um, so that has been amazing. Um, trying to have a little bit better balance with, because we have to for sanity, like we right. have to get out. So right. that's been cool. Um, choreographing. I just, I love to choreograph. It's my happy, happy place is making up dances and dancing. So I just over on Friday, we recorded a Zoom that we're going to share this week. Also finally getting my apartment in order. I feel like now my house is functional, which is a relief. (laughs) So those have been the good things. And then just, you know, quality time as much as we can have quality time with, with old friends and family over Zoom. We were supposed to have a surprise party for my little brother's 30th. So we did a a really hilariously rowdy 30th birthday party for him yesterday. That was wonderful. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. So there's been some, some, yeah, some highlights. (laughs) Love it. 
Since this is a podcast, we always like to understand what our interviewees are listening to. Do you have top three podcasts or top podcasts that you're listening to? Oh man, I'm such a podcast nerd. Um, I love revisionist history. I could listen to that for the rest of my life. I really love things that come up in that podcast. And I just find Malcolm Gladwell um, a pretty hilarious human being, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I would say revisionist history. I'm a total how I built this nerd. I can't help myself. I really enjoy that podcast. Um, I have been a long time Krista Tippett fan and I really love On Being, but sometimes those episodes are, are really long. So I also like her Becoming Wise snippets. It's a nice sort of juxtaposition to all the, the business and capitalistic influences and forces in my life because yeah. it helps me connect to my spiritual and creative mind. What are your top three songs on Spotify right now? Oh my gosh. Actually, not on Spotify. Hopefully someday, one of my uh, brilliant artists, Hanwha Johnson, a great friend of mine in Swaziland, did a project where with her sister. They recorded a super dope beat that I should send to you. They asked us all to videotape ourselves. Videotape record ourselves <laughs> yeah i love it <laughs> i forever i'm a child of the 80s and 90s i can't help it but record ourselves singing to her song and dancing to it so that's been my number one it is such a sick beat i mean i love r&b i love love r&b so that's probably been my that's been one of my go-to's and then i just the dance that i just choreographed to was to a remix of a kevin little song so yeah yeah that's awesome yeah. i can't wait to see it when it comes out <laughs> I can't wait to see you on Zoom with us, dancing along. Maybe. <laughs> Have you been doing any Netflix binging? Are you on the Tiger King Love is Blind train or have you opted out? I totally, I'm really bad with Netflix in general. I'm starting to get back into it. It's sort of like out of my muscle memory because living in Swaziland, didn't have um, great bandwidth where I was living. So I haven't done Tiger King yet. I think I have to though. Like, how can we miss out on this? What I have watched was The Americans. I also really love, I'm obsessed with any food shows. So Chef's Table, the imagery is stunning. I love So beautiful. And then <laughs> yeah. Restaurants on the Edge. I don't know if that's new or if it's just new to me. Really haven't been enjoying that. Also beautiful imagery. Um, and I just saw that Heidi Klum and Tim Gunn are back with a show. Oh, really? Okay, I missed that. So I'm assuming it's a version of Project Runway 2.0, which is like my forever favorite. So that's in my queue. <laughs> Let's see who wins, Tiger King or right. Heidi and Tim. <laughs> I have a feeling for you it's going to be Heidi I think so, right? I know. <laughs> it's okay. It's totally okay. All right, last one. I feel like I've seen on Instagram, everyone's cooking, everyone's making sourdough starters. Anything that you've cooked or baked that you're really proud of during quarantine? No. <laughs> um what have I no I've been really proud of everybody who's doing that and I've been like I'm just not a baker I would love to be and I think instead I'm just really proud of all the small businesses who are continuing so I've been supporting them <laughs> yeah, their bakers. shout out to Nabalom Bakery my just number one delicious Berkeley favorite right off of college in Elmwood. They are phenomenal and handling the quarantine so well. And they have the best coffee. 
gives you like quite quite a nice little buzz if you need some productivity and an amazing baked goods an amazing pizza in the afternoon so that's my yeah i'm part of them <laughs> that's great well thank you kelly so much for your time you obviously are keeping quite busy during quarantine so really appreciate the time you've taken today to join us at here at haas it's been such a pleasure this has been really fun thank you so much and thanks for tuning in to here at haas know a Hossi that has a story to tell nominate them on our website onehaas.org and if you enjoyed this week's episode please subscribe and leave us a rating and review And don't forget to share out this podcast with your favorite bears.